Recovery on the Road is a podcast about people sharing their recovery experiences from drugs and alcohol, trauma, and grief. My name is Heidi. I'm an alcoholic. As a backdrop, this podcast is based on interviews while I'm on the road across America's national parks, from Acadia in Maine to Glacier in Montana, all the way over to the Everglades in Florida. My hope is that what is shared will benefit you in your recovery. Hello, and welcome to Recovery on the Road. Thank you for being with us today. We have with us Anne from Florida. Good morning. Hi, Heidi. It's good to be with you. Thank you. So um, what brings you here with me today? Well, a family reunion. We got together for a week with my stepchildren and uh, up the Cape, and here's Heidi. So we made time for each other because I've known Heidi 34 years. And it's been a wonderful 34 years. Anne has been my sponsor through my recovery with drugs and alcohol. Yeah. What is your recovery platform, if you will? Well, my recovery platform is what I got when I first came in the program, which was, when in doubt, don't. And I thought, wow, what are they talking about? Well, the first thing they're talking about is, when in doubt, don't drink, no matter what, and find the power. And my sponsor, Jane, at that time, told me that if I found the power, the power could get me through anything, but I'd have to do the 12 steps. And so that's what I did. I did left foot, right foot through the steps. It wasn't graceful, it wasn't always honest, but I did the best I could at that point in my sobriety. Did you start making long-term plans? No, I lived one day at a time. I was too kooky because I had Valium addiction too, so I was kookamonga. <laughs> <laughs> Share a little bit about what happened to get to you to the point of asking for help. Well, you know, I was always high strung and I always said, well, that's me and I'm different. I'm paranoid about things that happened. I was sure that, you know, I was being kept from my destiny. I didn't know what my destiny was. Mother wanted me to go to Wellesley. I wanted to go to Sarah Lawrence. So I ended up at a college, a woman's college. They were trying to get me organized and act more like a lady. But when I drank, I didn't act like a lady. And uh, I didn't think like a lady. I had this predator in me that comes out and says, I'm different. I get to be in front of the line. I don't have to follow the rules. And I can drink no matter what. And they said, no, you can't drink. Now you're gonna get, you're gonna be with Anne. And I went, well, I don't know who she is. And I had been spending years trying to find who Anne was. I'd been into therapy. I married a psychiatrist. I went to all the places that I thought would give me the answer until I went to the power. And the power provided the courage to look. And you looked for treatment, recovery? Did you hit a bottom? Well, yes. July 23rd of 83, I thought, well, if I don't figure out what's wrong with me, because there's something really wrong with me. I had two beers at 10.30 in the morning, 
And I thought, my son came down and said, Mother, why are you drinking two beers? And I said, well, I'm nervous. And he said, Mom, people don't drink beers at 10 in the morning for nerves. And I said, well, I need it. And the voice in my head said, Ann, pay attention. And that voice, I believe, is my higher power steering me away from the shore where I'm going to get wrecked onto the ocean where I'm going to be safe. And the ocean has lessons to learn in it. It's got all sorts of things, and we need a director. We need a power when we're on the ocean. And my power is, is God. As I understand, and they understand me, my God understands me and says, keep coming back, it gets better. And it does. And you've been a great example for so many of us. You've traveled all over the Mm -hmm. country you've traveled internationally mm -hmm. so how do you keep your recovery going when you travel overseas when you travel to Europe or Asia well now of course I'm 81 so I'm not rushing around <laughs> like I did but years ago I remember I was in Bali and I found an expatriates group and they met at a restaurant at a at a um, a table at the back of the restaurant and I found out where it was and I went and the cab driver dropped no my husband dropped me off so I went to the meeting it was a wonderful meeting and there was a woman that had relapsed so I went over and talked to her afterwards she said would you like to uh, go get some pizza I forgot about my husband back at the at the, uh, the hotel, hotel. Yeah. yeah. I went with her on an adventure on the motorcycle. It was raining. Oh, and I got home and my husband was livid and he said, you are the most self-centered woman I know. And he was right. Because when I got with people in recovery, I sort of went bananas and did my thing. That's how immature I was. But the good news is I was in Bali at a meeting and I probably helped that woman that had relapsed because I was the hallelujah queen about AA. We go through stages in AA. We do, some euphoria and yeah. that pink cloud that yeah. we sometimes hear about. Yep, and then we end up wondering what it's all about. That's good news if you start wondering what it's all about because then you're starting to look at yourself and the relationship with the power. And it says struggle, but it's doable. Well, some relationships are based on circumstances over which you have little or no control. You do have choices in establishing relationships that provide support and nurture you. Cultivating and maintaining supportive relationships takes time and energy. It requires effort, along with strength and courage to step outside of one's comfort zone. We do have a track record of destroying relationships. That's children, spouses, employers, employees. How did you reestablish re relationship with your family and friends? Well, the good news is my family and friends were on my side, except my couple employers. I used to sell real estate. And he just asked me not to come back to the office one day. I couldn't believe that he didn't appreciate me. But at that point, I was taking listings on houses and never seeing them, just putting them in, in MLS. So 
I was not a competent worker among people that aren't uh, um, aware of themselves. How do you How do I relate? Yes. I try to work the 12 steps. First of all, how important is it? How important is it for me to push my ideas into somebody else's tent? When I'm in my tent, I have my, my life. But if I try to get in your tent and run your life, it's a disaster. I can't do it. I have to do it one day at a time in my life. And remember, the results are the powers. And I have the key of willingness in the door to try to change. But change is not easy, Heidi. Change takes work and change takes balance and prayer and power. And what do you do to help a newcomer? Oh, I'm always there for the newcomer because I was a newcomer and I remembered I called three women to ask them to sponsor me and all were busy. But the fourth one was perfect. She had children like I did. She was tough with me. And she said, no matter what, you don't drink or drug. And then she used to say to me, sit in the same chair in a meeting, Anne. So the newcomer will see, oh, there's Anne and she's still sober. It's working. Maybe it'll work for me. And what is your daily routine? My daily routine is I get up. If I remember to pray, I pray. If I don't, I pray later in the day. But at this age, I'm not as consistent as far as what I do and the energy I have. But I always go to meetings. I have a home group. And uh, I go to that meeting three days a week. And I go to a step study. And uh, I work with others. But my sponsees are pretty much have a lot of sobriety now. The newcomers are not searching out me. And I always wonder why. But I go to a women's group two days a week at night at 6 o'clock near my house. So that gives me the newcomers are there. So I hear you saying actually a couple of times that if you forget, for instance, if you forget to pray the first thing in the morning you do later on, you don't beat yourself up on it. No, and the other thing is, so what? If I don't pray today, the power's got my back. Because and you put in the... Yeah, I've done left foot, right foot. Yeah. I've done faithful performance of my duty that will buy me sanity. So, you know, some days I just get caught up in cleaning or helping others. And aren't I wonderful? I don't even realize I'm thinking that way. But it helps me work with others. And in my family, I do the same thing as in recovery. I try to be kind. So what I have found for myself, because of people I've been with in the program, and you know, the veterans or the, the, the old timers that have been around, they've learned that self-forgiveness is important. Oh yeah. That we didn't know what we didn't know. No, and we're beating up on the power if we start attacking ourselves. That's right. So. What I try to say and what I've learned and what my motto has become with my podcast, Recovery on the Road, is walk with gentle purpose. Right. And that's a good, good point. Because purpose is important because it means I've got a goal. I've got a goal. And the goal is just for today. And one day at a time. Right. The website is on the right road.org. The podcast can be found on multiple platforms. 
The podcast is called Recovery on the Road. And I appreciate you being with us today, Anne. Thank you. And I love you very much. And you've always been there for me. And for that, I'm grateful. And thank you for listening. Thank you.